This episode is brought to you by North Texas Honda Dealers. North Texas Honda Dealers, they're here to help. He has time, launches it to the end zone. Touchdown, Terrence Williams. Goes to the right side for Crabtree. It's caught. He put it on. He's up the right sideline. He's got to go. He's tackled. Sam Houston wins it. The Bearcats capture their first FCS championship. We always joke about how in May that there's no news going on in college football. Well, we actually do have news. Uh, Dave Aranda named a starting quarterback for Baylor, just like about he did this time last year. And we'll be talking a little bit about their schedule because if you've paid attention on Twitter uh, and go to TexasFootball.com, Carter and Craven are putting out their analyses of the 2023 college schedules for every FBS team. Uh, this will be the last one of the last series we'll do before we start getting into magazine content because – of course, we send the magazine off to press. Uh, if you're listening to us on Wednesday or Thursday, we send the magazine off to press Friday. We will have the cover revealed June 5th, so mark your calendars. And then after that will be kind of a magazine rollout. You know, typically we do the we unveil the 40 under 40. We unveil all Texas teams, things like that, as we get through the rest of the summer. So with that being said, of course, we'll go into – we'll touch a little bit on Baylor's uh, schedule this year. Looking at game day experiences, if you remember last week, Craven put out a piece over the best college game day experiences because he hates his Twitter account and he wants all of the comments to come his way. Yeah, direct <laughs> all of your hatred towards at Craven Mike. Just, rem- <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> just uh, remember to be following me, or I will not <laughs> you see won't it. see it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Um, so we'll be t- we won't get into the details of that because we want you to go read it, but we will talk about in general what makes a good college game day atmosphere and just what we look for and kind of the thought po- the thought process behind Craven's just overall rankings and kind of his logic going into there. And then in the very back half, we have mailbag. We'll go into some questions, um, probably one of the last times, because we're tired of just coming up with content, right? Just like, oh, I don't know, what can get us through this episode? So we decided to ask you all to do that for us. So Yeah, we'll also, if that. you're watching live, you can leave comments or questions in the comments of either Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, and I'll pull them off. So Yeah. All right. So. Uh, we will go on to the news that dropped earlier this week, or was it yesterday? Yesterday. Yeah, yesterday. Uh, Baylor named, unsurprisingly, Blake Shapin as a starting quarterback for the 2023 season. Of course, this was with the news that Mississippi State transfer uh, and I believe Lubbock Lubbock Coronado Mm -hmm. uh, quarterback um, Sawyer Robertson transferred in, was hoping to push Shapin in spring, by all accounts, very much doing that, you know, was, I don't want to say it was a toss-up, but it did give them maybe something to maybe think about, um, but Shapin threw for 2,700 yards last year, 18 touchdowns, 10 picks as a sophomore, uh, of course, getting named the starter in the spring over Gary Bahannon um, the year before, and yeah, uh, first, you know, I'll go to the I'll go to the senior college writer, you know, what were your thoughts on that? Was it surprising? Was it not? Um I don't know. What are your thoughts on Blake Shapin just overall, I guess? Yeah, not at all surprising. Didn't have to go change anything in the magazine, which yeah. was nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's the best you know, but, like, we look at Baylor last year, and we talk about the offense and what Blake Shapin didn't do. Now they, they averaged more points in 2022 than they did in 2021 when they won 12 games. Yeah. You know, if you look back on that 2021 season, the last seven games of the year, Baylor went 6-1 and one without scoring more than 31 points in any of those games. Sure. That's the year they won 12 – they beat Texas with 31 points. They lost to TCU with 30. Then they beat OU with 27, Kansas State with 20, Texas Tech with 27. They won the Big 12 championship 21-16. to 16. Mm-hmm. They won the Sugar Bowl 21-7. to 7. So they weren't putting up a bunch of points. It was the defense. And for me, 
when we're talking about Baylor, the biggest difference last year was they gave up over 30 points, I believe, six times. And they had only done that one time in 2021, and that's the game they, they lost to TCU. And so uh, they fired their defensive coordinator. They brought in Matt Pallage, you know, from Oregon, who had been at Baylor before. Uh, Shapin was always going to be the starter. For me, the difference is going to have to be on the defensive side of the ball because they're not going to outscore teams. That's not what Dave Aranda, Jeff Grimes want to do. Uh, they want to win the game 28-20, to 20, uh, and the defense is going to have to take a big step forward for that. Yeah, Carter, what are your thoughts on Blake Shapin overall? Oh, I think a lot of it for me was a chicken-in-the-egg situation because last year a lot was made about Baylor didn't have a receiver that went over 600 yards on the year. So it's like, okay, is that the quarterback's problem or sure. is that the wide receivers not stepping up? And I think – Part of it was Baylor didn't account for the loss of Tyquan Thornton because Monterey Baldwin was supposed to be their number one guy. He is the most explosive athlete they have, but you know he was just constantly injured all the time. Doesn't have that big body type mm -hmm. to be the number one wide receiver, and that's why they brought in Keytron Jackson Jr. from Arkansas, who they're really counting on to be this true number one option and downfield threat. I thought Shapin got a little bit too much of the blame, but what I didn't like was how he almost got worse as the season went on. Mm -hmm. So in these first six games, I pulled, I was looking at the stats today, he was 68% completion percentage for 11 touchdowns and three interceptions. And then as we go in the last seven games, obviously the, the back half of Big 12 and uh, the bowl game, he was 59% for seven touchdowns and seven interceptions. So the numbers went down for sure. But I honestly love what they did bringing in Sawyer Robertson because they were left in scramble mode when Austin Novosad flipped to Oregon. Right. And then Kyron Jones, the backup last year, transferred. But Sawyer Robertson, I thought, was the perfect backup to bring in to push him because he is not better than Blake Shapin. So mm -hmm. he's like – it's not going to be a situation where if Shapin struggles in the opening games, the fans are going to be – like Sawyer Robinson has to come in right now. Sure. But he pushed Shapin and was like, look, there is a little bit of fire under your seat here. And, and obviously he he earned the job. So should have some confidence going into the year. Yeah, we, we see this with quarterbacks all the time, right? Like mm -hmm. they come out of the gates and they're game busters. You know, Shapin completed 17 straight passes to start that Big 12 championship game, set a record. Coaches get film. Coaches get tape. Sure. I mean, we're in Dallas right now. Dak Prescott's the perfect example of that, right? Like uh, I think Shapin last year – you know, did not adjust well to the adjustments that the defense has made about him. I think that's true for Jeff Grimes as well. The Baylor offense in general did not adjust well in 2022 for the differences they saw from 2021. We'll see if they can make more adjustments going into this year. Yeah, I think one of the things that – and I'm, I was victim of this too, you know, when it came to Blake Shapin as decision maker. I do agree with Carter that I think he got – I think it didn't help that he did – I think he did regress as the season sure. went along, right? Now, was that because of the, the skill talent did not elevate itself? And by skill talent, I mean more wide receivers. Guys like Richard Reese did come along uh, the, as the season went along. But did it mean more of a plateauing because it was just that was just the skill talent he had on the outside? Uh, the TCU game was a good example of that where you saw moments where they were just one play away from like really icing that game and pulling off the upset and knocking TCU out of the, the playoff conversation. And a lot of Baylor fans, a lot of big – 12 just observers were like man if they just had a quarterback who like made one play better you know a little bit like that but to your, to to the point the year before when kind of when teams got kind of used to what they were doing with Gary Bahannon in the run game Blake Shapin added something different, right? The ability to stretch the field a little bit. He doesn't have the strongest arm, but he has a good arm and he has a more accurate arm than Gary Bahannon did and just the ability to keep that horizontal game going and just kind of move the give the offense that different little uh, passing element all of a sudden our defense is like what's happening yeah. right and so if they could it really isn't about finding 
that all-conference necessary receiver, but it is just finding a reliable receiver, right? It's finding that go-to guy because now you have Richard Reese, who's going to need some help now because everybody, like you mentioned, there's film on him. He's now he's their game breaker on offense. So now it's like, okay, now that Blake Shapin's not going to be the focus of defenses, can he maybe step up and help Richard Reese, who's now becoming, you know, we don't know if he's going to be that every down guy necessarily, but he's going to be the, nec- uh, the focus of defenses now. You know, Dave Aranda is a, a really introspective guy, and he would admit, he has admitted, he talked to me about it, how, you know, they tried to make 2022 exactly like 2021. Mm-hmm. Like, we won 12 games, let's keep, let's do the exact same formula. Let's right. do, but he didn't have the dudes on defense to do that. Mm-hmm. They won close games and they won low-scoring games in 2021. That's how they got to, to 12 wins. Yep. Um, they couldn't do that. They didn't have Terrell Bernard. They didn't have Jalen Petrie. They didn't have JT Woods on the defensive side. They were going to give up more points, and they didn't really equa- er, account Address, yeah. for needing to score more points. So they tried to keep doing the Abram Smith, Ty, you know, uh, you know, Ebner, yeah. uh, R.J. Sneed, right. like those kind of guys. They didn't have that talent. They couldn't get themselves out of the hole, and they just weren't able to outscore opponents. You know, it's funny. When I was talking to Aranda, he talked about Indiana Jones mm-hmm. and how, like, <laughs> When you when you watch it, that's not shocking at all. (laughs) Well, there's a scene in the original Indiana Jones where he goes into that town. I can't remember. It's like Casablanca or one of those towns or whatever. Mm -hmm. And he sees this swordsman. He's got this crazy, cool, fancy sword. He's doing all these tricks. Yeah. He's like, "That's TCU. That's Mm -hmm. Oklahoma. That's Texas." Where it's like, "Man, I want to do that. Yeah. Like that looks dope. You know, I want to do that." But you got a gun in your pocket. (laughs) Right. Right. You just got to use that. Like they are going to be that in the Big Twelve. Like they want to be that bully power, run the football, play really good defense. Yeah. They need to to get away from what they were trying to do last year and just kind of get back to that. It's a little bit like what Kansas State is, right? Yes. It's like Kansas, Sta- Kansas State has the gun, right? Right, and it's like cool. You guys can do that, but uh, Chris Kleiman won some national titles doing this hard hard nosed, right. you know, uh, physical football for North Dakota State. So it's like we got to do that if we're Kansas State and if you're Baylor as well. Well, and I think the addition of Oklahoma State transfer Dominic Richardson like really helps yeah. them do that. So that's going to really help spell Reese in the backfield. And then the two BYU offensive linemen, the Barrington brothers, massive. I'm very excited to see those guys reuniting with Eric Mateos, the offensive line coach, and Jeff Grimes former offensive coordinator there. Mm -hmm. I I thought Aranda did a really good job of of changing up his strategy and going after the transfer portal a little bit more. And, you know, like you're saying, realizing he can't just do the same thing over and over again in this new look Big 12. Yeah. All right. So moving on, looking at their schedule a little bit before we move on to the next topic. Carter, you did this one uh, examining, uh, excuse me, Baylor's schedule as a whole. Um, Again, go look at the whole piece on TexFootball.com. We've done Houston, UTSA, Baylor, and I'm forgetting one. Or is that all? Uh, no, we've done four. Uh, I'm trying to think. Houston just yeah. dropped. Houston just that. dropped. That is correct. So, yeah. North Texas. North yeah, Texas. North that, Texas. That was the first too. one we did. That was the first one. So, um, but sticking on Baylor, look, so I'm trying to figure out, like, we, we joke around in the office that Baylor and Craven, you said this. Baylor's the team you know the least about. Yep. <laughs> and not mm-hmm. because we haven't looked up this team or that we haven't talked to people about this team, but just because – we don't know what to expect yeah. from this team, right? We yeah, have that's the better way to put it. I, it right. I have no. Th- I don't know what to expect. Right. Right. You can watch them practice, and you can just be like, "But yeah, but what happens when those jerseys are purple? Right? What happens when those yeah. jerseys are red? When they go to you know when they play UCF? Right? Um, Carter, you put together this, you know, where and just to break it down, we have biggest game, trap game, potential upset uh, for all. We're gonna have all uh, uh, FBS programs. 
I have a question about what you thought the trap game was. You have it down as UCF on September 30th. Mm-hmm. What were kind of what was kind of your thought into having that as Baylor's trap game? Well, I put that as Baylor's trap game one because it's the first time they travel out to Florida, so mm-hmm. changing time zones and going to. I think UCF is going to be. Uh, the best new team in the Big 12 uh, with Gus Malzahn. And the running game for UCF is really scary when you, when you look at it. They averaged 228 yards a game last year, and a lot of that's because of the quarterback, John Rice Plum- Plumley. You'll remember mm-hmm. he was at Ole Miss, and yeah. then he is now uh, making some headlines when he did that whole uh, going from the baseball playoff mm-hmm. game to the spring game. Right, right. He's a, he's a dynamic athlete. Uh, and I just think that you know Gus Malzahn's team – uh, is on a really nice trajectory like going into the Big 12 where they're catching a lot of good momentum and stacking some nine-win seasons. They do have two new uh, coordinators, but that almost makes it even more of a trap game because you're mm-hmm. not going to know as much what to expect out of them. Just for one, the offensive coordinator is still Gus Malzahn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. You're hired to run Gus's offense. Yeah, you know? yeah. That is I mean, that's fair. Yeah. I think the other reason that's a real trap game is it's right in between Texas and Texas Tech. Yeah, you know, and Those so two, you know, the yeah, last meeting with Texas in a long time. You're gonna gonna have to go to Lubbock, and you know, anybody who can look at Baylor staff and look looks at Texas Tech staff, there's a whole lot of overlap, right? Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Like, and so like those both coaching staffs really care about that when they beat the brakes off of Texas Tech in Lubbock last year in front of Patrick Mahomes, mm-hmm. um, and so like that's gonna be a big game. Not only is it their first trip to Florida, it's their first trip away from McLean Stadium. Yeah. Like they play yeah. five of their first six games at home that's kind of crazy you know yeah, and so I, I didn't even that UCF that's game crazy. is going to be kind of a weird one yeah for yeah that's a good point I didn't even notice that until looking at it just now um yeah the one that I lo- the one that I like that you have for the potential upset Carter is Utah mm-hmm. um Agreed. because Utah they have Texas State they're going to be obviously massive favorites in their opener um Utah is like a great barometer for what I think this this Baylor season's going to be right if they host Utah who you know, for better or worse, they're going to have playoff aspirations, right? Yeah. Um, they're probably definitely on the outside looking in, but they're definitely going to be one of the contenders in the Pac-12. And they just get waxed by Utah, a team that I think you mentioned it. Kyle Winningham loves to play a physical brand of football, right? Mm-hmm. That's his style. And if they go to if they host Utah, and all of a sudden Utah comes out 35-17, and it's like, oh, all right, what? Then I, I get I get a little worried, right? I'm not saying they have to beat Utah. I think they can. Uh, but if, if they come out and get shellacked by Utah inside McLean Stadium, it's like, ooh, what's going on with Baylor here? Oh, because yeah. I think the brand that Utah plays is not necessarily the brand that lends it. They're not USC. They're not going to, you know, go four verts. You know, Lincoln Riley's not going to throw for 500 yards. And it's Baylor's brand. It, yeah, it, 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 we're a game they can get away from them, right? That's not that's not the brand they play. It's the brand that, yeah, if they come over and just say, yeah, hat on hat, boom, and they average seven yards a carry, right? They're holding, <laughs> yeah. they're holding Richard Reese to 64 yards rushing on 20. It's like, oh, something's gone it's wrong like here. What, BYU was that last year. Right, right. Like that, that, that was the game, game where, yes. I remember texting you like late at night. It was like yeah. 1 o'clock in the morning. Be like, oh Yeah, right. Uh-huh. Like, like, I was wrong. Yeah. You know, because uh-huh. like, I, I, I remember looking at Baylor last year and being like, yeah, they lose a lot of their skill position players and stuff, but they bring back their offensive line. They bring back the defensive line. They're just going to bully people, and they'll figure it yeah. out. Sure. And they did not bully BYU. No. In fact, it the opposite happened and, and if you if you lose at your own game mm-hmm. you're in trouble like i watch a lot of mma yeah if you're a wrestler and you're getting out wrestled yeah well, you're in trouble because that's you, you got no plan b yeah, <laughs> you, yeah you said no that a lot about baylor last year too like yeah. if you get bullied out of your own game then you're in yeah. trouble and so if utah comes into mclean and bullies 
Baylor. Mm-hmm. Not just beats them, but bullies Baylor. Yeah. There's some real trouble signs coming out of that game. Well, I think I also had that game as a potential upset because as much as Utah is this consistent, you know, Pac-12 force, back-to-back Pac-12 champions, they are kind of suspect in non-conference. Like sure. last year, they they dropped to Florida. Two years ago, they started one and two. Yeah. And then looking at their schedule these past two years, they've been six and zero at home, but three and three on the road mm-hmm. each of those seasons. So like Baylor getting them at home is is a huge benefit. Mm-hmm. And, and like y'all are saying, it's going to be such a barometer. Uh, for that year and also like Cameron Rising former Texas Longhorn Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. he's coming off a torn ACL in the Rose Bowl game so that's a good point he's missing a lot of you know he missed spring ball obviously he's probably not gonna be 100% during fall camp yeah Um, and they got to replace Clark Phillips the third on defensive side too so there's a lot of there's a lot of changing on going going shout out to Cam Rising by the way yeah oh yeah oh yeah Newberry Park California Mm -hmm. is beautiful yeah And uh, shout out to Jaquin and Jackson too. Uh, yes. run, running back yeah. for, for Utah. I think I think he's going to be the number one back this year. He's so yeah. he's so good. He was yeah. so good in the bowl game last year. Uh, I'm glad that he's getting. He's embraced. I'm glad that he's embraced one the role yeah. change because obviously yeah. he, he 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 was somebody who wanted to be a quarterback <laughs> out of high school and he's embraced it, man. And he's been. And I remember awesome. being at Jaquindon's signing. Yeah. And a reporter from the DM DMN yeah. asked him like what he was going to play in college. Yeah. You know, and he was so offended. You know? <laughs> he was like quarterback. <laughs> he was a quarterback. Yeah. 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 And he had just like led them to a state title game. Probably could have won that game. Yeah, without, he was a damn good a one. <laughs> He had just torn his ACL a week before in the semifinals, right? right and stuff. And so. But to see him kind of embrace that, we saw it with DeMarvey on Overshow uh, at Texas where mm-hmm. when he was a recruit, he would bristle at the idea of playing linebacker. Like, I'm yeah. not a linebacker. I'm a safety. You right, know? right. But you get there for a couple of years and you go, well, I'm trying to play. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. I want to go make some money. And Jaquindon, I think like Rashawn Johnson, yes, could be a, a dude example. who gets drafted in the third, fourth, fifth round and becomes a legit NFL you know, running back. Yeah, I think so. All right. Moving on, uh, like I said, go check out the rest of uh, Carter's analysis on the Baylor schedule on TexasFootball.com. Now, um, looking at last week, we had Craven decided, and I think you even wrote, as you dropped this, you were like, I just hate my Twitter mentions, (laughs) but I did this anyway. Uh, You ranked the game day atmospheres across the state in FBS. And I don't want to get into the full thing because, again, I want people to go actually read it, but I do want to get into – people's opinions here on what makes a game day atmosphere because everybody has something different i think sundresses yes <laughs> <laughs> sec no i'm just kidding um craven <laughs> turning your mics off <laughs> you have three guys on this podcast now um oh. <laughs> craven <laughs> i do want to get your thoughts on when you were looking i did that just for mallory i know i, I know you right did at i know you I did which is <laughs> what the reaction was when you were putting this list together what was the immediate thing where you were like, usually there's something that comes to your mind when it comes yeah. to game day atmosphere. What Full stadiums. That? Full stadiums. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like for me, for me, an atmosphere needs to be, you know, a packed house, people outside, people trying to get in, the lines being long, the excitement level. You walk around, you know, a campus at a dud game and it's halfway full and yeah. people are showing up late or just because they know that they can. Like, to me, that's not what it's about. I, I get to a game three hours before it starts, right? That's when I park my car. I want to see people out there hanging out, partying, mm-hmm. you know, as, as the press box opens and it gets to, you know, an hour and a half, hour and a half before the game, how full does it get? Mm-hmm. So, to me, that's what I think of when I think of atmosphere, just, like, the rowdiness of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like that. Carter? Yeah, I'd go tailgating is my mm-hmm. number one because you know, a lot of times you'll be at a school and if they've got, you know – off-campus tailgating or, you know, there's not a lot of students around mm-hmm. like that. The atmosphere is nowhere near as electric as it can be. I think the tailgating scene 
um, is huge for transitioning into the stadium and how electric that atmosphere can get. Such a young man's answer. <laughs> <laughs> Mallory? I also think, pushing back on that a little bit, now, North Texas has a great tailgating scene. Mm. No one goes to the games. Right. No one's involved. Hey, that so sounds familiar hey, for me. Ish has a yeah. situation. <laughs> Correct. <posted>. Correct. <laughs> exactly. So I think that fan involvement, yes, yeah. a f- to your point, I think a full stadium is definitely important to, like, the game day experience. But I think, like, fan involvement as well. Like, yeah. if you look at Texas A&M, everybody's involved in the game. Not only do they have pack stands, you know, week in and week out at every home game, mm-hmm. all of their fans are just involved in the game. They're standing yeah. up, they're rooting. But I, you just don't see that at every single state. Like in El Paso, I think even when we went to into El Paso and we watched UNT and UTEP week zero, that was a full stadium, right? Yeah. But could you really say that their fans were involved in the no. game? You know, no. which doesn't yeah. give me like the full – best game day experience yeah. the rain opinion. the rain delay helped hurt that one yeah that's a good point that's a good, that's a good point I but about yeah that. no i i absolutely like you don't want it to be church no yeah you know like you don't you, want it to make it feel like you, you have to, to be crazy. there yeah. right exactly and i think that's where i get to my my kind of i guess it's kind of a mixture because yes i do agree that full stadium does help certainly right when you whenever you imagine college football you think of whether it's the swamp in Florida, the horseshoe, whatever things like you think of the full stadium um, for at least loud, right? Sure, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where I think I think full. I think what's the energy? Yeah. I guess is what I think of, yes. right? Because up until I'd say last year, it definitely changed. Probably last year was the first. I'll put it this way: last year was the first time I heard DKR like as a rocket stadium, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. In previous years, I think probably the LSU game, the, when LSU came to Texas, that was like the first time I heard DKR as a raucous stadium. Mm-hmm. That was kind of the notorious, and Craven, you know this growing up, it was kind of the notorious, like, that's the quietest 80,000-seat stadium you're going to be around. Yeah. There's right? a reason when Mac Brown got there, he did the whole show up early, stay late, right. be loud thing. Like, that wasn't on accident. It used to be a joke. Yeah. It was right? like it the Lakers or the Heat. Right, it know, used to like be a joke that. where it was like, yeah, people would show up, it'll be cool, you'll do the chant. Wine and, and like, cheese. Right, exactly. And now that's changing at Texas, but like I guess that's where I'm – and I, th- I think Texas is definitely one of the top in the state now. If you would have made this maybe f- 10 years ago – Right. Maybe not. Right. Maybe it's not top three. Right now. They definitely changed. The energy's changed. Um, they have done a good job of making the brand of football exciting. The game day atmosphere is great yeah. there. Bevo Boulevard. Right. All that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, CDC's done a great job of like making a concert beforehand. All this, yeah. all these crazy things happening. So I think energy, because I don't think it's a coincidence that A&M and Texas Tech, in my opinion, are the two programs that I think of yes. when I think of game day atmosphere. I, right? I don't think it's a coincidence that it's the non metro schools. Yeah. Right, because you can make a joke about well, Lubbock's in the middle of nowhere, College Station's in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, but that means people are going to the game. <laughs> it's like yeah. that means yeah. Guess what? Guess what there is to do on the weekends? Go to AM, go to Texas Tech, right? And so there is kind of a you know people call it, but oh, they're cult fanatics. It's like guess what? <laughs> that's is that is that's sport. That's their religion, <laughs> and that becomes a cult sport. And yeah. you go to Kyle Field, and everybody's doing that damn dance, and you go to Tech, and everybody's throwing tortillas, and it's like yeah. there is a different energy when. You're not thinking about halftime, you know, like, oh, what's, what's going on on 6th Street? What's going on at the square or, you know, where, you know, Texas State and UNT? You're thinking about, well, I got nothing better, dude. I'm going to stay here the whole damn time. <laughs> Anytime your fan base has their own moniker and name, like, you know, it's yeah. going to be a wild atmosphere. Sure, yeah. Like Texas oh, man. You're just like, Jesus. Like, what's, I've, I've been to a Texas, uh, I've been to one Texas A&M game as a fan, and like, you leave and you're like, that's not happening anywhere else. Yeah. Like, you're just like, that's yeah. no, that cannot no. happen yeah. anywhere else. Like, not even like, you can look at Alabama. You can look at it. There's like there's something different about that where you're just like there's no way this could happen anywhere else in the country. I remember so 
for people who don't know, my grandfather worked for the University of Texas football team for 50 years, right, mm -hmm. in the Hall of Honor. My dad played tight end at Texas in the 80s. I remember going to my first Texas-Texas A&M game at College Station and getting in trouble because I was like, this is cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. You know, like, like, this isn't what it is in Austin. Like, yeah. It's an hour before the game because we would show up. Like, I'd, I was a dork. So right, I'd like, right. watch the field goal kickers warm up and stuff. <laughs> right, you know, right. like, I was so into football. that, And, like, at Texas, nobody else would be there. Sure. You know, like, they'd still be at Schultz's, mm -hmm. you know, hanging out if they even came into the stand. You, back when I was a kid, you could walk up to DKR and buy a ticket there. Yeah. You know? Uh, you go to Kyle Field and there is no chance. Yeah, you know that's those things been sold out for twenty years or something mm -hmm. like that. And so um, the f atmosphere at Kyle Field is second to none. Like I, I think they're in their own mm -hmm. stratosphere. Sure, I think so too. The conversation becomes be between Jones, AT and T, and Lubbock and DKR. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And like at their zenith, give me DKR because there's fifty thousand more people sure. able to be put in there, and it's sure. the city of Austin and all that kind of stuff. The renovations did have but made a it light game in Jones. Yeah, oh the Michael Crabtree game. We're, we may talk about what our best atmospheres. Maybe this will lend into that conversation. What's sure. the best atmosphere you've ever witnessed? The Michael Crabtree game in Lubbock is maybe the best atmosphere I've ever witnessed in the history of my life. Yeah, like, it was absolutely insane. Yeah. It was so insane. I got in my car and I drove all the way back to Austin that night. Yeah, <laughs> like I was. I was you were just amped up. I was supposed to stay there with friends and stuff like that. I was like, oh, if I stay, there's gonna be a fight. Right. You right. Yeah. I mean? Yeah. Like, there's gonna like fires are gonna happen. Like this thing is about to be get crazy. I was on probation, so I was like, I'm out. Of here. Right. Right. <laughs> right. I'm getting out of here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I don't know any lawyers in Lubbock. So. Yeah. <laughs> I also think that That's coaches a have a big like difference on what the game day atmosphere is like because you can't tell me that the game day atmosphere at Texas Tech is anywhere near how it is now like when Matt Wells was back was sure. there right sure. about so I think Joey McGuire yeah. definitely yeah, has about winning. increased yeah. the right I guess yeah. it's about winning too. it's about winning and just like how much you love that program right now right like I'm exactly. a UTSA grad and I've walked into the Alamo Dome sometimes not all that excited to be there right yeah. you know I was like we're about to get our ass kicked <laughs> right you know what right. I mean like uh then you know but now you go to UTSA game and it's like it's happy everybody's yeah. excited to be right. there so yeah I think culture Culture absolutely matters, and Definitely. that does start with the head coach. Well, yeah. I, we were talking about, okay, so Jones and T versus DKR, and, like, what one, which one wins. Yes, DKR has, like, 50,000 more people mm -hmm. or whatever, but you talked about Ish, the, that renovation made it louder. The renovation also, um, like, it's always empty. That South End Zone project, That's a good, yeah. uh, the, the people in there also get floor seats, too. So uh, you'll be in that okay. stadium, and that is just an entirely gray, like empty patch of bleachers because they're, they're of down. course, you're all down on the field level, right? That's or, so I think or that's in the suite, or in the suite, yeah. yeah so I think point. that's like it is a little louder, but it also is just such an eyesore. You that's know, a good point on, on field goals and stuff like that. That's a good point. All right, so uh, Craven, you hinted at it. Best atmosphere? You're gonna say? I mean, that's hard to beat. Yeah, it's I'm, one of the I'm best gonna, moments in college yeah. football. So, or, or just like a Red River game. Yeah, that's a good point, Carter. Do you have a best atmosphere? Yeah, I. Um, I mean, I'm extremely limited sample size, but I would say. Uh, two years ago, Texas versus Oklahoma. Uh, though you'll remember it was the Casey Thompson game, yes. and Texas oh, yeah. stormed out to like uh, they were up by like twenty or yeah. like felt like thirty was points. That the Caleb Williams, the Caleb Williams yeah, okay. game, yep, yep. and just it was like. The first half, the Texas side was the loudest, most obnoxious I'd ever seen it, and then it just you could hear a pin drop that second half because even it was like it was like thirteen points yeah. they were ahead by, and you knew you just knew something's something was about like Oklahoma was gonna come back because yeah. you know it had the Texas students were chaining. We want Caleb, and he came in. You're like, oh, never mind, no, we don't, no, we don't. <laughs> Actually, never mind, no, we don't. <laughs> and I'll just I'll forever remember that third and nineteen play that throw he had to Marvin Mims. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I even like watched that back again, like this year. And I'm just, how did he make that throw? Yeah. Like, it was unbelievable. And, and just 
seeing that whole side of the of the Cotton Bowl just elate as he made that throw, it, it was it was goosebumps type stuff. Yeah, yeah. Mallory, do you have one? I think um, I think I gotta go UTSA Houston overtime last yeah. year. That, that was, was a great that one. had to be one of the best game day atmosphere. And we even walked, Craven and I walked around like the tailgate scene, which was really cool sure. beforehand. I mean, yeah. it was very different and stuff, and they were super involved and. I mean, you can speak to this a little bit. I mean, that was probably the first tailgate scene that you had seen at UTSA in years, right? Yeah, it had I been mean, a while. It mm. had been a while since I Just because it was so full and yeah, everything, and they're the winning now. But, stuff. I yeah. mean, that stadium was so stinking loud. And I don't even think they had the upper deck open, did they? No, that, they closed that off. They yeah. did close that yeah, off, but, like, off. every other stand was packed. Yeah. I mean, they, it was filled to the brim. They hung so the banner right before the they game. They hung the banner yeah. right yeah. before the game. So, so yeah. that had to be probably the coolest game day atmosphere. I'd Similar say. to Carter, I'm kind of limited, but – the first Texas State at UTSA game in 2012. Yeah. That was a great one. It was UTSA's first season. Um, obviously, the first year of the football rivalry kicking off. and Rivalry? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you had to. <laughs> Check his Twitter if you don't know what we're referencing. Um, <laughs> but that was the first year. Obviously, that was – I think it was – it was almost 40,000 people. Yeah. Uh, I think the UTSA home opener is still the, the most that they've ever had, but it was a clear second at that time. Yeah. And I think it still is. Texas State, uh-huh. I think, yeah, I think it still might be. Um, Texas State came down, obviously, because at the time they were the big brother and UTSA was just the plucky upstart. And UTSA. Then they kicked off. They Yeah, then they kicked off. And, like, UTSA was the better coach team, all that stuff. UTSA stormed the field afterward. Just being there. Obviously, I was a mad sophomore, I think, at the time. But just watching, I'm like, yeah, that was kind of cool, though. Like I was like, I was like, this is yeah. this is kind of cool. And then there's the infamous picture of uh, Larry Tice at the time, uh, oh, athletic director of Texas State, just on the field, hands in his pocket, just watching the students, UTSA students storming the field. And <laughs> a lot of UTSA fans love to throw that, <laughs> throw that out there every once in a while. Just to, and for the next half yeah. of this episode, we're going to talk about what happened for the next ten years. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was a precursor to what was to come. So yeah, uh, for me, that was that that was definitely it. So. Uh, yeah, there we go. Game day experiences. I will say this for yep. game day experiences before we move on. What's Get up? to the Texas State High School Championships. Oh, hell yes. <laughs> yeah. Hell yes. Especially a Saturday on, Sat- a year, yeah. on a year where it goes Division One last. Yes. And you just watch that. Get there early in the morning for the 5A Division to 100%. And then just watch it. Just watch it build. Or hell, I'll watch say, yeah. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I was going to there's a couple on day two that might rival a couple of colleges here. Oh, yeah. Ooh, yeah, yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. Yeah. Especially games. I just, FBS. To watch yeah. 60,000 yeah. people show up for a high school football game, though, yeah. Yeah. it's just, right. it's incredible. It's absurd. Yeah. yeah. It is absolutely beautiful, honestly. That's why they need an MC. Get the crowd hyped. There you go. Anyway, there's a self-plug for Mallory. <laughs> um, <laughs> Mallory, <laughs> we do have a mailbag that we have not seen. You have. Mm-hmm. So I will direct this segment to you. All right. Let me see which one we want to do first. Okay. We'll start off with a Texas State question. Sure. Okay. Why not? Is a quarterback controversy on the horizon for Texas State since TJ Finley is now committed to the Cats? And how should Malik Hornsby feel? Mm. Um, I'll say that I don't think it's a controversy, but I will say that Malik Hornsby probably can't feel too great. Mm-hmm. Um, from what I've heard, Ty Evans probably will not be playing football. Um, and I think this was a lot of CJ Rogers, maybe not being wanting, to, not them, not seeing CJ Rogers as the backup necessarily if something happens to Malik Hornsby. Um, but let's just say they were also in for Casey Thompson, yes, right? They so they were not, they weren't necessarily saying we're going to get a straight up backup quarterback. Cause if Casey Thompson's commits, he's starting over Malik Hornsby. I love Malik Hornsby, yep. but they're going to get – if they got Casey, he's a starter. So, if I'm Malik Hornsby, I'm like, 
Yeah, I'm better than TJ Finley. But I'm also looking at it as like, that's a pretty capable backup you brought in, mm-hmm. right? Especially for our level. Not saying TJ Finley is a world beater or anything, but he is a former four-star quarterback. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think there's a controversy, but I will say that it it may not be the best feeling if you're Malik Hornsby. Mm-hmm. I mean, just look at that quarterback room at this time last year and that at it now. <laughs> oh my god. I oh can't it's god. night and day. I mean, <laughs> oh, good lord. Like, oh. You know, this is where you're trying to get if you're GJ Kinney. Right. Yeah. You know, like right. you want competition yeah. in every single room and you cannot go to the left guard and say that it is a competition if you can't go to the quarterback and say that it's not a competition. Sure. Malik Hornsby is a limited quarterback who we have not seen win at the FBS level. Mm-hmm. We just have it. Like mm-hmm. we all watch him in high school, and he's great. Like, yeah. I'm a Missouri City guy. Love him. Yep. Uh, but TJ Finley does some stuff with the, his arm that Malik Hornsby just does just can't do. And so I don't think they'll go two quarterback system, sure. and I think Malik wins that job. But if they find themselves down twenty-four to seven, and they're going to really need to throw the ball, I would not be shocked to see T.J. Finley be in that role. Sure, I want to echo off what Craven uh, just brought up there a little bit, and I think one of my my biggest memory right now from Malik Hornsby at Arkansas was this game against LSU he played, mm-hmm. and LSU just ran a quarterback spy with Harold Perkins. I was about to say I do remember the that. entire yeah. game, yeah. and yeah. it literally was like the game was over. Like they like <laughs> they could not do anything. Let me just say this though. There, there are none of those. No, in the that's what I was going to say. <laughs> so I think Malik Hornsby is going to be much better at Texas State. And I, yeah. I think he's going to be electric sure. in, in G.J. Kinney's offense. But there are these times where if there's a guy uh, – like this is not high school football anymore. Sure, if there's sure. a guy on the other side of the defense who can keep up with Malik Hornsby – Speeds for speed. There is a blueprint out there on how to yeah. stop him. Now, sure. do you, you don't have Harold Perkins, but right. you can try he, to mimic He is it. one of one. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That kid is. No, I, I agree. I think there is something to be said about he's going to need to maybe win some games with his with his arm. Yeah. And I think that's why he went to Texas State, right? right. Uh, he Nebraska, saw what Lindsey Scott did. Yeah, and Nebraska, Nebraska tried to come at him, but he wanted to be a quarterback. And so I think, he's, I think there's a willingness to do that, but it's just a matter of can he. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a good observation, right? People saw T.J. Finley and was like, what? They're Texas State, really? Wait, let me say one thing about Lindsey Scott. So, Lindsey Scott's the quarterback that G.J. Kinney yes. coached last year. So, before uh, before G.J. Kinney got there, Lindsey Scott, 2,000 yards, 62% completion percentage, 16 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. With G.J. Kinney, 4,600 yards, 60 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. Yes. So, there was a bit of a jump there. Mac Leftwich as well. Yeah. yeah. Oh, offensive coordinator Mac Leftwich too. So, yeah, there you go. There's some, There's a blueprint there to see and if, uh, if he an He probably just sent those exact stats. <laughs> right? He just emailed them to Malik Hornsby. Yeah. Like, hey, you want to do this? Right, we don't even have to talk. Just read this. <laughs> What's All next, right. Mallory? Uh, let's kind of go off that same topic. And okay. who wins the quarterback battle at UNT? Oh, Chandler Rogers. Oh, it better be Chandler Rogers. <laughs> no, I'm, 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 I'm going to say it better Rogers. be Chandler Rogers. I think it will be Chandler Rogers, but it also better be because yeah. as much as I think we tried to we tried to play this optimistically when we kind of heard yeah. that Chandler Rogers was kind of struggling during spring camp. We tried to say, you know, new environment for Jace Reuter. He was a four star quarterback at one point. You know, maybe it's different for it better be Chandler Rogers by what they brought in. They bet a lot on that kid. They did. And yeah. it, really did. But they've seen what these other guys can do for like, a, I mean, not this staff, but and like I, UNT has seen what these other guys can I do. I stopped by North Texas a week before the spring game. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Eric Morris said that if the if the if there was a game tomorrow, yeah. Jace Reuter was going to be their quarterback. Right. And then the spring game happened. Yep. And I think the thing with Chandler 
is the stuff that he does really well, or at least some of the stuff he does really well, mm-hmm. you cannot see at a Tuesday practice because you're, you're not allowing the quarterbacks to do that They stuff. have red sh- jerseys on. Yeah, yeah and you want to stay within the system, especially the first year you're putting in the system, right? Sure. It's like, here are our checks, here are how we do it. Like, you do it this way, right? And then the spring game happened, and it's a little bit looser because it's a quote-unquote game. Mm-hmm. And Chandler just started playing football. Right, right, and right. Like, he is unquestionably the best quarterback there, and he absolutely should or will be the starter if he's healthy. Uh, I always go back to last summer at 7-on-7. Seven seven. We were watching two quarterbacks, two different quarterbacks, but two highly touted quarterbacks. Uh, Austin Novosad, now at Oregon, versus, and it was DJ Lagway, who's at Willis. He's currently committed to Florida. Austin Novosad, if you would have just looked off those 7-on-7 seven seven films, mm-hmm. you would have wondered, why the hell is DJ Lagway a five-star? Yeah, He's like, that looks like a three-star quarterback. Then you watch him put pads on and play for Willis. And you're like, oh, oh I okay, it. I see. He does everything for this team, right? Yeah. You see Austin Ovis, how you're like, that's in a future NFL guy. And you're like, okay, he's good, right? I think he's going to be a good quarterback. But, yeah, there's some, like, 20 other things that DJ Lagway does that you can't do in seven-on-seven. Seven that he Similar to Chandler Rogers to where this is a guy who was ULM's entire offense, right? Whole I, plane. I saw way too much of ULM because they're in the Sun Belt and Tech State. And you're just watching him like, I remember him at Lake Ridge. And he was like, why is he like he's running he's throwing he's making things happen the offensive line stinks he's and it was like okay there's some things that yeah you're not going to see in spring because nobody can touch him so he's not going to you know like you mentioned they're going to keep him really confined Eric Morris is a very rigid uh, quarterback coach and he wants to iron out those wrinkles right there's some times where there's going to be a wrinkle that happens and that's where Chandler Rogers that's where you want to have him come Mm -hmm. in be able to make a play with his feet make a throw on the run things like that so I think it will be Chandler Rogers, and I think the spring game showed why it will be. But also for their sake this year, it better be Chandler <laughs> Rogers because I don't think that this is going to be a rough year in terms of they're going to start out hot. I really think UNT is going to start out hot, and then that black back half of the schedule is going to hit, and it's going to be yeah, it's bad. Yeah. I think they better. It's get not going to be their fault. They need to get bowl eligible by October fourteenth. Yes. Uh, the other thing here is the the running game is the strength of North Texas, but their offensive uh-huh. line isn't great at pass blocking. Mm-hmm. They're basically going to start four guards in the center. Mm. Yeah. And so if you can have an athletic quarterback and a really good running game, now you can go do some stuff. Sure. And so I think the offense we see at North Texas in year one will not be the North Te- the offense we see from Eric Morris in year three. Yes. But this is who he has on his roster, and he's going to yep. have to adjust to that. Chandler feels like the quarterback best suited to do that. The same way we talked about Donovan Smith maybe in – better suited for Tech last year when their offensive line wasn't doing so well. Sure. All right, let's go with Baylor opens with G.J. Kenny's completed retooled Texas State. Do you think that could be cause for concern for the Bears? That first half would be weird. Yeah, that's gonna be, it's going to be weird because, like, it's super weird. The hell there. do you scout? I mean, like you mentioned, like the only time we've seen Malik Hornsby was like the one time in his life he played a guy who's as fast as he is on the other yeah. side. Uh, obviously, yeah. if you try to watch film on UIW, okay, but Malik Hornsby's not Lindsey Scott. You know, so it's like, what do you kind of watch? I don't know. This yeah. whole Tech State team is different. And we yeah. talk about what Colorado's doing a lot. Yeah, uh-huh. sure. And Tech State's doing it for different reasons. Like, yeah. G.J. Kenny didn't walk into a meeting room and go, you suck, get out of here. You know? <laughs> right, right. Uh, but – He's signed, I think, 47 new faces. I was about to say, it is a right ton. Now. So, like, uh, it's complete roster turnover. You know, it's going to be weird for Texas State as well. Like, I, I think, Tex- like, yeah, it's going to be interesting for Baylor to try to prepare for a team like that. But in theory, it should take Texas State a few weeks to even figure out who the heck they are. Sure. Yeah. 
I could see like this game being Texas State is leading like I don't know seventeen to seven in the first half, and mm-hmm. we're like, okay, now like let's watch out for Texas State. What's like going on with Baylor? Thirty-four yes. <laughs> seventeen. Exactly. And then Baylor goes into halftime, and we're like, okay, hey, we're way better than these guys. <laughs> could, could Not that much different than what happened last year. I was, I was gonna say, say we were at that we were game. At that game last year. <laughs> Mallory had one of her favorite sayings, where uh, so Texas State, of course, says eat them up, and uh, Mallory was like, well, they kind of chewed them up a little bit in the first half. <laughs> like, yeah, like that, which was fair because <laughs> I was very excited at the first half. The game yeah. was great in the first half. And it was. Yeah. It was. A, hey, speaking of atmospheres, that was a pretty cool atmosphere, right? I know. Well, well, was was no beer, there. but like, it, Ish fine. texted me throughout the first half and not at all in the second half. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know yeah, why. Ish was like, like all in. the yeah. best receiver yeah. in the state. He's like, he was oh, on state, his feet. <laughs> <laughs> he was on his feet the whole time, too. And then the second half, and he just uh, silent. Not a peep from him. It was hilarious. To make it worse, we were t- cheering for Baylor. So that yeah, was I was about to say, y'all were all uh, <laughs> we were surrounded by our bosses at the McLeans, all like, all surrounded by Baylor people. So. You were the only one. Yeah, yeah. Then the two deep got into play, and it was like, oh, we're at, so we only have like 40 good players. They have like 80. <laughs> anyway. Oh, that's great. All right, let's uh let's finish it up yeah. here. Uh who's gonna win the American with all the new additions Ooh. this year? I'll tell you who the money's on. My opinion of this has changed. It literally Mine has. too. I think I've I've answered this question at least three times and every single time I think I've said three <laughs> different teams. And I'm like I will well, s- welcome to May. A little a little <laughs> literally peep, a little peek behind the magazine. Um the answer that is in the magazine that will be in the magazine <laughs> was not the answer that we went into this uh, yeah. this offseason. I changed it yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Walked into the office I yesterday and go, Temper, can I change a few things? <laughs> I did hear uh, you say that, yeah. I think it's going to be SMU. Yeah. Yeah, like, I think so. From a sheer talent standpoint, mm-hmm. SMU is unquestionably the best team in the AAC. Mm-hmm. Then you look at the schedule and yeah. go, Oh, okay. That's a cakewalk. <laughs> well, wow. the other two teams I would have in that conversation aren't even on their schedule. Tulane and uh, UTSA, and right? UTSA, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, for me, I don't see a way that SMU doesn't at mm-hmm. least get into the title game. Mm-hmm. And then they just got to win one. Preston Stone, excellent yep. quarterback, I think. If he yep. stays healthy, I, I'm excited. I think he's going to That it. quarter and a half was crazy I, I, last yeah. year. I think he's going to be better than Tanner Mordecai. Yeah, they lose Rasheed Rice, but I don't know if y'all just heard they added Jordan Hudson yep. to a room that includes Jordan Curley, uh, Jake Bailey, mm-hmm. if you remember that name, yep. uh, Moochie Dixon, and then you know just a couple transfers from the University of Miami. No yep. big deal. Uh, offensive line signed three or four new guys that are, that are going to start up up front there, and then the whole defense is different. Yep, especially the whole back half of the defense. Mm-hmm. Is Basically, if you just took Liberty and Miami Castaway and just yeah. mashed yeah. them together, <laughs> and it was like, here's the defense, and then like Jonathan <laughs> McGill. Yep, you know, and so like they are going to be better top to bottom than every other team in the American. The caveat and the reason that I lean towards UTSA some. All those guys have played together. Mm-hmm. All those guys got brought there for a reason, and all those guys love being at UTSA. This is not a hired gun situation in San Antonio. Mm-hmm. It is at SMU. It just is. Mm-hmm. Right? 65 of those new faces have been signed over the last 18 months. Yeah. And so when the adversity strikes and the game, we've seen – Mallory's seen UTSA come back multiple times, right? Yeah. Like you, you just like – God, that UTEP game. <laughs> when it's 27-27 in the fourth quarter, yeah. when SMU and UTSA are playing for a conference championship, do you bet on the guys that are kind of new to each other and figuring it out and never won much together at all? Or do you bet on the, the team that has the back-to-back conference championships and a quarterback who seems to lead a comeback anytime that he can? And mm-hmm. Jeff Trailer. So I think that's going to be the – we'll see it at Colorado as well. But in this state, 
SMU and Texas State are, are fascinating case studies on how this roster turnover in the modern college world works. And if it works right, SMU should run away with the AAC and probably play in a New York Six Bowl, to be honest with you. Yeah. I think the only other team that I would worry about if I was – I mean, UTSA, yes, in, in the state, uh, Tulane in that Oh, yeah. They're bringing back uh, that quarterback, too. They're bringing really back Michael Pratt. They beat USC the, the problem with, with, yeah. The problem with Tulane is TyJ Spears was a huge part of that offense. Yes. Them, right? And so finding a replacement for him is going to be massive. If they can – then okay. Then I think I like SMU as a 1A to their 1B maybe. Yep. Um, UTSA is like a very close, very close second mm-hmm. uh, to that top group. So I would agree right now if I had to, you know, put something down on a piece of paper, I'd go SMU and then I'd go 1B, Tulane. Um, yep. But yeah, it is – the top of the AAC is going to be crazy. And I lean SMU because of, like you mentioned, that schedule is just like a favor from the gods. I don't know what happened there. But I don't think, I don't think Tulane has that much – Less hard of a skill. I mean, yeah, they, they end. With, they end. I was gonna say they end with UTSA. Yeah, yeah. So UTSA. Be, yeah, it's actually not. Which that could be a decider of who plays SMU in the. Conference yeah, time. definitely. Point. Yeah. So that's what I would go. I'll go. I'll go SMU, but Tulane's right there for me. Because I go around all these campuses and yeah. colleges, right? And I get to watch at least a practice. Yep. Texas and Texas A&M are on their own stratosphere in terms of like, holy crap, they're big. Yeah. You know, like <laughs> yeah. They they look different than all the other schools. And then there's the rest of the P5 schools, and there's a pretty big drop off to G5. And SMU lives in this weird space, right? below TCU and Tech, mm-hmm. you know, just right there. Because Baylor's got some monsters because of the way Aranda recruits offensive yeah. and defensive line. Right. Like, they're right there beyond te- or below Tech in terms of, like, man, they look like a, that's a power five team. Right? Yeah. And they should be. You know, they got, like, $32,000 person, you know, $32, a player. I was budget about to say, and yeah, kind of stuff. It's crazy there. Um, and so, like, they just look different than UTSA in North Texas and Rice. And I didn't go see Tulane. I didn't, you know, but – they look different than those other favorites within the state just in terms of just sheer size. Like, that is a football team full of some dudes. What about you, Carter? Um, I I hear what you're saying about SMU, and I really think it is going to be super exciting to watch them this year with all the transfers they brought in. They definitely are the most talented team. But I just got to go with UTSA in mm-hmm. yeah. this one because, like Craven, like you're talking about, these guys are so experienced on this team. They, they have built – like, this current UTSA team is the one who's built it, you know? Yeah. Like, yep. they point. have been playing together for multiple years now. This is not a direct quote, but I watched a press conference that Trailer had, and he's basically like, you know, all these guys are hardly even playing in the spring. They're coaching, basically, yeah. the younger <laughs> right. guys. Because, I mean, Frank Harris has been there for 10 years now. So, like, so they – yeah, so they they uh, <laughs> ten years. <laughs> it's almost like it's almost the part where now their locker room is like player led almost. And yeah, that's like yeah. when you get a well oiled machine going. And I think yeah. SMU is just gonna have some some bumps with chemistry and like gonna drop a few games because they just don't all know each other as well. Sure, you know, you know what? It, you know what just dawned on me? What's up? Frank Harris is older than Carter. <laughs> I think he's older than me too. When you, what year did you graduate high school? Twenty seventeen. Same with Frank. We're Man. the same age. Wow. He's twenty four. He's twenty four. Yeah. Man, that is nuts. That's crazy. Uh, That's how long he's been around. Frank, man. I'm also 22. I said I was 23. <laughs> My birthday is coming <laughs> up. <laughs> You're not old enough to do that yet. <laughs> I, it's coming up. You're not like, old enough to nah, say, no. oh, I'm a year off. No, stop. Oh. Yeah. Hey, I've started doing that like too, 20, though, to be fair. I'm 22. <laughs> You're not old enough to do that either. 28, 29 is when you can kind of forget it. Then you remember, oh, I'm 30 now. Then it's like, see, so yeah, somebody who's 31. And then you really quit caring. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, I said, I said, uh, I introduced myself like a couple weeks ago, and I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm 30. And I was like, oh, no, I'm 31. Like, I was like, this is one of those moments. So, no, neither of you were old enough to start doing that. So, y'all Sorry. ever heard the George, George Carlin joke about birthdays? No. You know, how like, you know, you celebrate one through 12, and then 13, obviously, because you become a teenager. Then yeah. It's like 18, 21, and then 30. 
40 25 50, i feel like you know, is a big because one. like nothing else happens <laughs> right you just learn so, like decades. i'm just in my 30s yeah you know? yes yes exactly yes. yeah you're not 40, like when i hit 40 i'll be like oh it's my 40th birthday party you yeah, yeah. Like, and then uh, you're in your 40s yeah <laughs> and then i'll be 50 one day and then he goes well once you get 80 you can start counting them individually again because that's a like you know you made it you made it. <laughs> you're still here you're not dead <laughs> yet that's how yeah, i that's feel like am i 37 am i 38 who knows who cares who cares 25 is our next big one because we can rent a car so yes. Milestone. Oh my God! You have to I would. Yeah. What no. Do do? <laughs> I can't. Can't rent a car yet. <laughs> in Texas, you can. You, in Michigan, if you, you wanted to that, know. Are you gonna do that for your birthday? Just rent a car. Yeah. Rent a car. Just go to my house. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can. You can in other states though. Uh, it's not in Texas. Anyway. Anyway. Not allowed to do anything in Texas. Freedom, baby. You can. <laughs> That's freedom. That's what we call Small freedom government. Here. <laughs> Jesus. All right, Mal, is that all we got? Y'all should take all. me out of here before this gets different. Yeah, I'm turning your mic off. <laughs> is that what? all we got? Yep, that's all we got. All right, so we'll wrap up with that. And with that being said, uh, we'll see what we got. We'll see how much Carter comes on. You know, we'll, we'll see how long we how often we can do this. He forgot his birthday. He's he's cut off. Now. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> that is fair. That it was fair. fun while it lasted. It was fun while it lasted. <laughs> <laughs> wrong side of the glass. We've all read this magazine over and over again, so we're all crazy yeah, right now. It, so true. Uh, we send this thing off to press Friday, and we will have the cover reveal June 5th. Remember to stay tuned for... Uh, that it'll be on YouTube, Twitter, all that stuff. Facebook will be sure to be streaming that and keep track of all of our stuff at textfootball.com. Please subscribe Republic of football network. All the shows got going on. We got some nice treats coming for y'all on the network. Be paying attention to every single show on there. We have some good content on there right now. Uh, subscribe to all of our podcasts as well. Text football today, women talking football, zone star state, all that stuff. And Jimbo Fisher, we've talked to uh, 12 of 13 FBS programs, please. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, we don't got a quote from you in the magazine, so because <laughs> you won't talk to us, so that'd be great. And as usual, go Ruckers. Go Ruckers.